You are listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. For more information, find us on Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. You know, the name of our company is Decidedly. And I named the company when I started it, I named it Decidedly. We named this podcast Decidedly. On purpose, obviously, like any company would name themselves on purpose, but we did it because we wanted to focus on decision making. My dad used to always tell me when I was younger, like, oh, you're not a bad kid. You just made a bad decision. The opposite wasn't always true. He didn't usually say you're not a good kid. You just made a good decision, but he would reward great decisions. And he made such a focus when he was raising me on decision making. And it was really clear when I was a kid um, and this carried into adulthood that decision-making was the difference maker in success. In his worldview, it's not luck. It wasn't birthright. It wasn't even always skill or talent. It was the decisions that we make. And interestingly, the name of this company was a decision that took a lot of effort. But what I didn't know is uh, the, the consequence of this decision. So the biggest decision or the biggest consequence is that people often misspell it. <laughs> and so it's obviously like our our emails and our website and people will go, well, you don't have a website, right? I uh, I emailed you and it didn't go through. You never responded. I go, yeah, well, you forgot one of the D's in there somewhere. So my point there is that even really thoughtful decisions that you make um, are going to have consequences that you can't predict, right? I thought the the name, I love it. It, it rolls off the tongue. Uh, it It's different. It stands out. It communicates exactly what we're all about. At the same time, could I have, I thought it was easy to spell. Obviously, I'm wrong. So no matter what the decision is that you're working through, you know, what you're thinking about, that thing in your mind right now that you're thinking, yeah, I don't know if we should sell the house. I don't know if we should sell the business. I don't know if I should, uh, you know, do this or that or the other thing or paint the living room or I don't know what you're working through. That thing is going to have a consequence that you could never have predicted And that doesn't make the decision good or bad. The results of your decision don't make the decision good or bad. What makes it good or bad is if you follow a process to arrive at the conclusion based on your values, based on true information, based on wisdom, and you make it confidently. And if you do it, the outcome might be bad. Sometimes the outcome's outside of your control. But we're not outcome oriented in our journey towards significance. We're process oriented, right? We're moment focused. And if you can narrow that focus onto your values and your own journey, the decisions you make are going to be a lot better. And probably the outcomes will be better too. You just can't focus on that. So Sean's not here today. He's gallivanting the country. I actually have no idea where he is, which is a common theme in my life. People always ask me, where's your dad? Or tell your dad and said hi, or, you know, this thing. Um, Because we spend so much time together in our communities, you know, the Venn diagram of our communities overlaps quite a bit. And people (laughs) always ask me where he is, or I'll call and hang out and and he'll go, oh, I'm in Iceland. I go, I didn't know you were going to be in Iceland. Or, Or somebody will tell me, oh, I saw your dad's in Egypt right now. And I go, oh, you did? I didn't know that. He's always somewhere. So I actually have no idea where he is today, uh, but I'm sure he's having a lot of fun. What I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through the five key decisions that you must make to transform your wealth to significance. We'll go a little 
more in depth on each of these decisions than we normally do. And hopefully by the end of this, you have a good little jump start to get you further down the road on whatever's holding you up right now. So the first thing or the first decision that you must make is decide who you are. What you've got to do is spend time to understand your values and your priorities. What makes you who you are? Now, some people get tripped up. They want to move past this decision. They want to um, ignore this decision or they think they've already made this decision and they don't have to spend any time on it. I'm not saying that every single time you make a decision, you need to re-decide who you are, but you've got to do it once. And a lot of people live their whole life. They never do it a single time. So number one is decide who you are. This is what makes you, you, what makes me, me, the unique things about us. A lot of it is out of our control, but most of it absolutely is within our control. So for example, what's within your control? What's within your control are your values. What are the things that are actually important to you? Those are the things you get to decide. You get to choose those. They're not given to you, right? It is who you are and you make an active choice to say, I want to be accountable to living up to this. You get to pick it. So if you get to pick it, you might as well pick it explicitly. You might as well pick it with confidence. You might as well pick it consciously because if you don't, if you don't pick it thoughtfully, you will still pick it. You will still pick those values. You will only pick them unconsciously. You will pick them thoughtlessly. You will pick them recklessly. You will, in other words, live up to something. And if you live up to something that you didn't choose consciously, that is the worst outcome. So decide who you are. What is involved in deciding who you are? setting upon your values. It is my 100% conviction that your values must be far more precise than you're probably thinking right now. A lot of people say, um, the most common answer I get is um, faith, family, freedom. Those are my values, faith, family, freedom. And I don't think any of those are bad. I think those are great. And as far as prioritization, I think you nailed it as well, okay? It's not precise enough. It's not precise enough to simply say God, family, and liberty. That's not going to get us to an action plan that aligns your daily habits and your long-term goal planning toward significance that is unique to you. It's not. So how do we be more precise than simply single words? And why are single words like faith, family, and freedom imprecise to a fault. Well, why they're imprecise is because those vague, those words represent ideas and those vague ideas can be misinterpreted by other people. So the one that the value I think that that is most misinterpreted is integrity. Every single person you know, including liars, thieves, and cheaters will say that they have integrity. Everyone says they have integrity. Nobody will reject it. Everybody says they ha- not only that they have it, but that it's good to have it and that you should have it too. Well, how could it be the case that everybody thinks it's good? Everybody genuinely thinks they have it. They're not lying to you, by the way. They don't just say that they have it and they know they don't. They 
they really do probably most of the time think that they have it. How can that be the case when I know so many people who don't have integrity? Um, well, it's because everybody defines it a little bit differently, a little bit differently. And people who lie justify those lies. They often don't say that they're a liar. People who cheat often justify that cheating. People who steal often uh, justify that that theft. I mean, well, you know, uh, how, how often have you heard this one? Well, um, no, he, she was just trying to feed her family. Well, it's still stealing, man. It's still stealing. So my point is people can make great moral errors and, and justify that and not think anything wrong. So with integrity, it is going to be misinterpreted by others. Even if you don't want to go so as to as far to say that it will be misinterpreted, you can at least, I hope, appreciate that it will be interpreted differently by others. And so what, what that means, and here's the kicker, is that if it can be interpreted differently by others, that means it can be interpreted differently by you in the future. And that's a problem. That means it's not a very good guide for your life in your actions, if other people misinterpret it, that means they can't hold you accountable to what you said you're going to do. And if future you misinterprets it at critical decision-making points in your life, then the entire exercise was fruitless to begin with. So how do you solve for this? What you do is you distill or extrapolate rather these vague single word values into action phrases. Okay. So step one is you find the words. I recommend five words. You have five core values. You can't have 30, far too many to hold yourself accountable to, and you can't only have one or two. I think five is the magic number. Um, and then with those five words, and they might be faith, family, and freedom, and a couple others, and integrity or something else, you're going to extrapolate those into action phrases. What makes it an action phrase? And then also, why are we doing action phrases? Well, we're doing action phrases because if the point of deciding who you are is to align yourself and your actions and your journey and your life and your plan and your money and your business to something transcendent, then it has to inform the choices that you make, the decisions that you make, the things that you do. And in order to inform that, it ought to inspire action. Okay. So what is an example? Now on our website at decidedlywealth.com, you can see how we've done this for our own company. We used to have five single words and they were vague. What we did was we turned them into these action phrases. So an example of one would be, uh, it funny enough, decisiveness. That was a value. I said, I want us to all be very decisive. Now, I'm think I was thinking at the time what you're thinking right now, which is, well, yeah, I know what that means. Okay, the odds that you and I think the exact same thing about what it means is almost zero. And the odds that three people in a company think the exact same thing is almost zero. And the odds that four people think the exact same thing is certainly zero. And the more people are in this company and organization and family, et cetera, et cetera, the less likelihood that they're all going to define it the same way. So we looked at decisiveness and I started to notice that we still weren't being decisive. People were not being decisive in our company, even though that's what we said was a value of ours. 
and it's in the name of our company. And we still would struggle with people not being decisive. How? How? Well, it's because we weren't precise. So what we did was we said, instead of decisiveness, it is be firm in character and purpose. If you are, and I want to repeat that again, be firm in character and purpose. If we found by exploring this mentally that if you are firm in character, if you are true to your word, if you are who you say you are, and you know your purpose, you know the mission, you know the vision, you know where you're aiming, you know where you're going, you know what you're supposed to do, then it's so easy to be decisive. You can't help but be decisive. So we found something even better than decisive. Decisiveness, what we found was a consequence of what we were really aiming at. So that's how you decide who you are. Okay. That's step one. That's decision one is decide upon your values. And, and value is such a hot topic. Everybody loves talking about values. Oh, values investing and values alignment and values living and, and, and you know, spend your money in alignment with your values. Okay. That's, that's great. I don't think anyone's really telling you what your values are or how to find them. That's how you find them. The second decision is decide where you are. Decide where you are right now. So we've got to get an understanding of your current situation. Know where you stand and what tools you have at your disposal. Okay. So some people may tell me, well, how can I decide where I am? I simply am where I am. My counter to that is that this is deciding the perspective you want to have about your current location. So right now, I'm at work. That's where I am. I can decide to be more specific. I can decide to say I am in West Fort Worth. That would be a different perspective that removes work. Uh, I can decide to say I am in this studio doing exactly what I love to do, which is helping people make better decisions to transform their wealth to significance. And that would be a lot more powerful. And that would be a lot more meaningful. And that would be a lot more purposeful. And that would move me towards significance a lot further and faster. So when you say decide where you are, it's, it, it, and I use the physical location as an analogy, right? You're not, this is not so much physical location as it is more like financial business life planning. Um, you're looking at where am I in life? Where am I with respect to my money? Where am I with respect to my business? both literally and metaphorically in my journey. And when you can do that, then you have clarity about these next steps. So you've got to say, if we're we're talking financially, for example, and and you have a big financial decision, you've already, number one, decided who you are. You're going to decide where you are financially. And if you decide you're broke, you're broke. Okay. If you decide you're wealthy, you're wealthy. You can decide the perspective independent of what the numbers are, but then you also have to decide the numbers. In other words, discover the numbers. Okay, my net wealth is this. My assets are this. My liabilities are that. I'm going to subtract the liabilities from the assets. Now I have my net wealth. There you go. Now you've decided. You've got to decide also what tools you have at your disposal. Okay, so what do I mean by that? What financial tools do you have at your disposal? 
right? Um, if you are employed, right, you've got um, a 401k, that's a tool. You've got uh, certain insurance uh, policies available to you. Those are tools. You've got certain accounts and savings opportunities available to you. You've got money in this account. These are all, that, that's what we've got to get a clear understanding of. If you are on a journey, right, if you're hiking to the top of a mountain and you look at a map at the beginning of the trailhead, what's the most important feature on that map? The most important feature on that map is not the mountaintop. And it's not even the trail. The most important feature on that map is where you are right then looking at the map. <laughs> the map's useless if you don't know where you are in relation to the map. You've got to be able to find yourself on the map first. Um, so there are ways to do that if you're talking financially. There are ways to do that from a business perspective. Um, and that apply, those apply... It, it, they're different in practice, but in principle, they are the same, right? You can't set a business plan without knowing what your sales were last year. You ju- you can't do it. You have to be able to know the numbers of your business. And the same thing works with life planning. You have to know the numbers of your life. Okay. The third decision, right? So number one is decide who you are. Number two is decide where you are. Number three is decide where you are going, where you are going, right? This is where you set clear objectives and begin to develop a plan on how to achieve them, right? So we have to first set the objectives. That's where we're going. Where we're going is the objective. I don't love the word goals. I think goals, um, you know, they're not a, they're, it's not a four letter word in my vocabulary. We don't ban it entirely at decidedly, although I think they get misinterpreted in general. And, and the reason is my industry is financial planning. If you go to virtually any financial advisor's website, you're going to see some language about we're here to help you meet your goals. And so it's presented the goals and goal achievement is presented as a starting point for your journey, right? The, what we're going to do is going to help you meet your goals. Well, what if you don't have any? What if you don't have any goals? It also places, I think, undue importance on the goal itself with respect to your dignity, humanity, worth, journey, significance, life, etc. Okay, you are more than a goal, a collection of goals, or whatever. Your goals are malleable as well. I mean, your business planning goals in 1997 don't in any way likely represent the business planning goals you had last year when you set your 2023 business plan. They're different. Things change. Simply because you wanted to buy a beach house 10 years ago, it doesn't mean you still got to keep working at that. Sometimes life happens. You're, you're, your wishes and your wants and your motivations change, and that's fine. So anyway, we still have to have objectives because we've got to know what they're working towards, but the objectives are not themselves the highlight of the aim, all right? And that's why first you've decided who you are. So objectives only exist as a tool to measure your journey toward that 
intangible aim that you set in step one. If you can set in step one a clear mountain that you want to climb, then the objectives, in other words, the metaphorical trail that you're going to follow and the trail markers that you set, those are cool. Those are those are great. And those will help you get there. You still might be able to go up the backside of the mountain. Maybe it's a smoother journey. Maybe it's a harder journey. Maybe you wanted a harder journey. I don't know. The point is objectives are necessary. Objectives are not the most important thing you could focus your energy on or your aim and your vision and your sight. They have to be and only work as measurements against your values and your in your personal mission statement. Okay. Your business has a mission statement. Your business has a vision. Your business has a catchy slogan of what you're aiming at. Is your life? Is your family? And if so, why not? Why don't you? Once you do, then you can set objectives exactly like you do in your business plan. But you do it for your family and for your personal side instead of your business. The fourth one, the fourth one is my, my favorite one because it's most people's first step and they're incorrect. It's the fourth step. It's decide how to get there. Decide how to get there. So most people, they start out with a big decision. They start out with how are we going to get how are we going to get this done? How are we going to get this done? Right? Or uh, a family, a, a husband and wife. They've they've built up uh, a good amount of money. Maybe they just sold the company. They got a few million dollars in the bank, etc. They go, okay. Well, how are we going to how are we going to make this all work? How are we going to manage this? And they're focused on tactics. Well, I think we should invest in that. I think we should do real estate. I think we should get that second home. I, th- I think I think I think we should. That's, those are all hows. What, what, should I do this tax strategy? Hey, Sanger, should I do this tax strategy? I, I think this guy, my buddy told me about this one, this tax strategy, this cool little tax strategy that we're going to do. I think this is going to work. That's a how. So we can only come after, decide who you are, decide where you are, decide where you're going. And then the how is super clear, right? And you already know this. You're a business leader. You own your company. You've been successful. You already know that this is the framework. For whatever reason, you apply it with great success in your personal life and in your, or in, excuse me, in your business life and in your personal life, you act like this format doesn't work. So decide how you're going to get there. What does this mean? It means the specific practical strategy that are going to help you meet the objectives that you set and those objectives that you set are going to help you move toward or move from where you are and to who you are. So you see how it all goes backwards? We have to decide the order that we decide in is the reverse order of what our aim ends up being in practice. So what you do um, when you decide how to get there is you begin to collect strategies. Like I said, a lot of times people come in and they tell me, I'll say, you know, uh, we're thinking about hiring an advisor. We're thinking about doing this. Uh, what do you think about, you know, index universal life insurance? Well, that's, I have no idea if that's a good strategy for you or not until we dig deeper. Well, hey, Sager, uh, I think we're, we, you know, we just sold our company. We got $7 million to, uh, to invest for our future. What do you think about real estate investing? We're talking how, 
that we're talking how, and that how is, uh, it can't be tackled until everything else is tackled. The fifth decision. Okay. This, this one was really, I mean, they're all important. I keep saying this, like this one's important. They're all important, it, it, but, but it's important to be in this order. Decide who matters. So once you've decided who you are, decided where you are, decided where you're going, decided how you're going to get there, then it's time to identify the people and the organizations that are most important to you and how to support them. All right. The best way I can make the case for this fifth step is to tell you about Jack. Okay. I wrote about Jack in my book. His name's not Jack, but for the purpose of this, we're going to call him Jack. Jack's a client of mine. He and his wife built up a technology company and they had been working in that company for, for years. I mean, decades. They built it into something truly remarkable in their city. And it was one of the better companies in that city. I mean, for what they did in that, in their industry. And the company had an enterprise value at the estimation that, that Jack and I made, um, several years ago, it had an enterprise value of about 12 million. All right. So he was pretty confident that based on his EBITDA, based on the range of multiples within the industry at the time, that even if he sold on the, you know, the low end, he would be able to get 12. And I was like, well, you know, why not, why not sell right now? And he goes, well, I want to make sure. And this is again, after like, really going through these decisions together. He goes, well, I don't want to sell right now because I want to make sure that a couple of things can happen for the people that I care about. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, number one, I care about my city and I care about my employees. So I want to make sure that my employees are, are cared for, that they have jobs, that they can benefit from the sale of this company and people who are young kids in this city who want to get started in computer science, uh, have avenues to do that. And he goes, so I think I might need a little bit more money than just what it's going to, you know, take for me to live. And I go, wow, that's awesome. So what we did was instead of simply sell the company cash out and go, you know, kick his feet up at a beach is we came up with a plan that would allow him to sell. We only, in, in, he only considered buyers that would agree to um, employ his, you know, keep his employees on for, for 24 months. Uh, for the key employees that have been with him the longest, he gave them equity and, you know, allowed for them to get massive bonuses at the sale. And then he still had money to uh, donate to a donor advised fund, which allowed him to front load the, ta- the, um, tax deduction so that he could do future giving to charities in his city designed to give kids, uh, who want to get interested in computer science designed to give them a head start. So he got everything he wanted done, but instead of, instead of having an attitude, well, I just got to grow the company, got to grow the company before I sell, got to get a little bit more money. He knew exactly how much money he needed. He knew exactly how much he needed for him, for his employees, and for his city. And the idea of, well, I'm going to grow the company for the next few years, it became a lot clearer to him. 
because he had done all five of these decisions. So I hope that I've added value to you. I hope that these five decisions, I know they work, but I hope you can navigate yourself through them, both when you have a big decision like Jack did about whether to sell the business or grow the business. I also hope that you remember that it applies equally as truthfully to small decisions that you make every day. I mean, even the decision of where you're going to eat dinner, you don't have to sit down and brainstorm for an hour, but if you know this framework, it will align itself, that decision will, within the confines of that framework. If you don't know, grab a copy of the book, A Life Rich with Significance, Amazon number one bestseller. It's on Amazon. You can get it directly shipped to your house. If you want a signed copy, send me a video of you dancing to the Wu-Tang Clan or Adele. But if you're going to dance through Adele, you have to sing to Adele because, um, well, because I think that would be funny. So until next time, when it's hello from the other side, I'm Sager Smith. This time I'm not with my dad, Sean Smith, but this was decidedly. You just made a great decision to listen to this episode of Decidedly. Make another great decision and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate your support. It helps others find our community and defeat bad decision-making in their own lives. For more daily decision-making insights, check us out at decidedlypodcast.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sanger Smith, and this is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly Podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.